2: Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America NA, member FDIC. 92% of households that start the year with Peloton are still active a year later. 92% because of a bike? Not just bikes. We also make treadmills and rowers. Oh, let me guess, for elite athletes only, right? Nope. It doesn't matter if you're an avid exerciser or new to working out. Peloton can help you achieve your fitness goals. 92% stick with it. So can you. Try Peloton bikes, tread or row, risk-free with a 30-day home trial. New members only. Not available in remote locations. See additional terms at onepeloton.com home dash
1: trial. At The Home Depot, we're dedicated to helping you build the skills that get your home projects done right. That's why we offer free and interactive online DIY workshops. During the live streams, our knowledgeable associates help you tackle your DIY projects no matter your age or skill level. You can learn how to install new single pole switches as well as standard duplex and GFCI outlets. Register for free at homedepot.com slash workshops. The Home Depot, how doers get more done.
0: Hey, what's up? This is Josh from Goldroom, and you're listening to Pantheon Podcasts.
3: History in five songs with host Martin Popoff, a production of Pantheon Podcasts. Let's rock out with
0: Martin. Well, hello again. Welcome back to another episode of History in Five Songs with Martin Popoff. Pleased, as always, to be part of the Pantheon Podcast Network, available on Spotify, iTunes, and over 40 other podcast platforms. All right, so this episode is one that I knew I was going to do at some point anyways. I've been getting a lot of great um, suggestions on the Facebook page, by the way. Rick Ritzler just sent in a really cool one, the songs based on... um, yeah, uh, or, or similar to uh, you know, and following um Led Zeppelin's uh The Wanton song. Um so that's that's a really cool episode I might do at some point. And and I've been getting other good episode uh suggestions on keyboards and metal, uh stuff like that, gang vocals. Um so yeah, we've we've gotten some really uh really cool ideas and I'm probably gonna act on some of those ideas. But um this episode is going to be, uh, another one that, uh, that sticks academically to our idea, uh, throughout all these episodes, you can pick certain episodes that tell the history of metal, uh, in a, in a chronological fashion. And, uh, we are just going to call this one the birth of thrash, nice and simple, um, But, uh, you know, I wanted to mention that this is similar, and some of the concepts here are going to be uh, similar to ones talked about in an earlier episode we did on double bass drumming, because a lot of that is the birth of Thrash. We covered Deep Purple Fireball in that, uh, Rainbow Light in the Black, Judas Priest Exciter, Motorhead Overkill, and Anvil 666. So... I've broken this up, uh, conceptually speaking, um, you know, I break up the birth of thrash itself into these into these sort of three categories. There's the pre-stuff, the roots of thrash, so that's kind of, this double bass drum is a big thing about that. You you could talk about vocals, you could talk about speed, um, you know, speedy heavy metal in that. So there's a roots of thrash thing, and then there's also this interesting period um, in basically... Late eighty one into eighty two, basically for all of eighty two, where all the thrash bands that are going to invent thrash, the way I consider it invented, phase three, full albums. Um, I've always looked at um, you know the birth of a genre or the invention of a certain thing uh, based on full albums because songs can be songs can be almost too short a piece of artwork uh, to look at as as anything as the um, you know as as, as fully intentional. Uh, That's the way I kind of look at an album. An album is intentional. Black Sabbath, Black Sabbath, the first album, very intentionally heavy metal where there were trace elements before kind of thing. So, but yeah, so there's this nice period in basically throughout 90, 1982, where all the big thrash bands, um, your, your Anthraxes and Slayers and Exoduses even, who don't even put out an album till 85, we'll get to that. Uh, definitely Metallica, that's the super important one, where there are these demos coming out and you're starting to hear that they're, that yes, they're inventing a new genre right there on the spot, but they aren't albums yet. A super important, um, a super important uh point here is that um along with the demos in this 1982 period metallica comes out with hit the lights on brian slagle's first metal blade sampler metal massacre and that's a marquee moment because that's a, a fully thrash song ah uh, well you know fully i i don't know um there are other songs on kill em all that are more thrash, but um that one is a little closer to a speed metal song so speed metal is this um is this period uh, between, um, you know, b- between, uh, say, the new wave of British heavy metal and thrash, uh, where you're starting to get thrashiness. And that's where we had the likes of Anvil 666 in there, and Anvil, you know, two landmark albums in this sort of speed metal, um, you know, couching between the two is uh, is metal on metal and forged in fire. Um now, one other thing in the, in the sort of like uh, the the reevaluation of some of this material leading up to this episode that I wanted to mention. Um, so we've talked about 82. There's a lot of demos. We've talked about Metal Massacre, and that came out in, uh, in April 82. I, I believe I put in my book. I've actually got a book called Hit the Lights, The Birth of Thrash. There's a Thrash trilogy I did, and the Hit the Lights book actually ends in 1983 then we've got Cotton Amosh which is 83 to 86 and then we've got what's it called Tornado of Souls which is 86 to 1991 that one is long sold out um I do still have copies of the first two but essentially um this is the abridged version of that book Hit the Lights The Birth of Thrash only um, it's well not exactly because i ended that with kill 'em all. uh this is the album version essentially of the uh of the story of of the birth of thrash. so given that it is the album version i want to mention one more album even before we get into our first song. i think i have a i have a, a landspeed record here in reverse for uh, getting to the first song. we haven't played any music yet, have we? um i definitely want to mention um uh, th- this is something i found fairly surprising. it's a contentious point um you know what? I'm going to talk about this after we play a song because I'm feeling like we got to hear a little bit of music right now. So let's do this, and then I'm and then I'm going to talk about this contentious point. So uh, yeah. So here on History and Five Songs with Martin Popoff, here's our first song in the birth of thrash. Take a listen to this. This is Metallica with Metal Militia. <laughs> All right, so Metallica came out with *Kill 'Em All, July 25th of 83. Uh, many, many people consider this the first Thrash album of all time, including myself. But the contentious point I mentioned earlier is that there's another record that people look at as the birth of Thrash. A lot of people will defend this to the death, and that is Exciter's Heavy Metal Maniac, band out of Ottawa, Canada. Um, they put out their first album on Shrapnel Records January 14th 1983 so uh 6 months earlier than Metallica now in the lead up to this episode i wanted to reevaluate that record so i played it again and i do still feel um it deserves to be semi left out or asterisked or or you know shoved into the uh the speed metal camp with Anvil because it doesn't have the the disciplined palm muted um uh, rhythm guitar work, the the quick right hand as James Hetfield would say, um, or we would say of James Hetfield, put it that way. Uh, it's a little bit loose. Uh, Dan Beeler's drumming. He's got that hi hat open. He's just thrashing away. I mean, this is really, this, this is an important point because thrash to me um, is not thrashy. Uh, the only thrashy thing about thrash to me is a thrash vocal. And um, now, what I mean by that is, um, and this is a good uh, place to explain that, is with the Exciter album, you get a thrash vocal, you get thrashy drumming, you get thrashy guitar because the the chords are a little more open, it's a little more wall of sound, um, and you and you and you don't get the advanced song structure, I don't think, uh, also, and the and the more sophisticated riffing that you get with the actual first thrash albums. So, you know, coming from that whole uh, Mike Varney. Um, Shrapnel Records, Speed Metal, uh, Guitar Hero Camp. Not exactly Guitar Hero uh, with John Ricci here. He's more of a like. This is more. This is a thrashing album. It it really thrashes, but it's not thrash. Now, what I mean by that is, I think uh, one of the key tenets of thrash is you are trying to record as good as possible. You're trying to play as tight as possible. You have like I say that that machine gun chugging machine, uh, rhythm guitar work. The drumming is tight. The double bass drumming is tight. If it's a wall of sound, well, it's not really a wall of sound. That's the thing. It's got spaces in it. It it is really staccato. It is really precise. So that's what I that's what I look at as thrash. And and like I say, the only thing in actual thrash that we hear coming on, with the likes of Paul Bailoff from Exodus and even James Hetfield is a thrashing vocal. He's the only guy, that's the only part of the show that sounds like it's ranting mad shouting out of control is the is the vocal. So you do get a thrash vocal. Um or I mean the one thrashy thing in thrash is the vocal, put it that way. Um but exciter to me is just a little too speed metal. It's a little bit too rudimentary. It's a little bit too cavemanish. Um so it's not exactly uh, thrash. So that's why I'm going to leave this out. Other people look at, you know, early things like uh, like Acid, I uh, believe from Belgium. Um, suicidal tendencies, you know, punk thrash crossover stuff. People look at early punk. I don't want to get all into that again because, again, that's kind of the thing I covered off in this in this double bass drum episode. Uh, Venom, Celtic Frost leading up to this tank motorhead. Um but yes, so that that is our first one. We are in the middle of 1983 and we get a definitive definitive thrash album. This album, I remember when we heard it for the first time, we knew it was something different. This was not new wave British heavy metal. It was not speed metal. It was just too precise and angry and uh and literally how do I I, I almost want to look at it like a like an acid bleaching of metal like pure pu- uh, pulling all the purities of metal or or um, you know doing some sort of alchemical thing where all you're left is with pure you know, pure metal and for that reason like when this album came out we loved it as kids um, well I was 20 um, we loved it um, and we re- but we recognized it was almost too purely metal there there wasn't enough window dressing on it. It almost seemed a little bit too rudimentary. That is going to change uh, very, very soon for Metallica. But so, yeah, it was one of our favorite albums. We recognized it as a new kind of music. It was super, super heavy, um, but it almost seemed like it was just two heads down meet you at the end uh, it, uh, to a certain extent. Okay, enough on Metallica. Um, well, no, not enough on Metallica. I want to reemphasize the point that Metallica basically invented thrash uh, in an album sense. And pretty much, I mean, you could just go back and say they invented uh, thrash in a non-album sense too because of all the demos that came out before with these songs, um, some of these songs. Uh, So they were almost the most active band even in the demo phase. And they were the first on an actual LP on the Metal Massacre thing. So, so in most ways, many ways, uh, Metallica deserves to be first, and here they are first. But like I say, some people put uh, Exciter first with Heavy Metal Maniac. Uh, I disagree. Okay, moving on. Moving on to our second one uh, on History and Five Songs with Martin Pavlov. Take a listen to this. This is Slayer with Black Magic. Black Magic So Slayer, it's funny. Slayer sometimes gets even semi-left out of this discussion because um, they are a band sort of like Motorhead that they're a little harder to ca- uh, um, uh, categorize because they have a little bit of, um, an, it, you know, like Venom, they have a little bit of the... of um, You could put them in the black metal category. And unlike Venom, but unlike other bands later, you can put them in the death metal category a little bit as well. But, um, you know, Thrash is probably the main category you want to put Slayer into. Um, You know, they're considered one of the big four of the genre. But this is quite a commendable album. To be coming out December 3rd, 1983, on Metal Blade. So here's Brian Slagle. He is super, super important in the invention of thrash. Obviously, he's right in there, uh, you know, releasing this stuff, championing this stuff. Metal Blade Records, you you can't say enough about what Brian did uh, for all this. Uh, But... This is a pretty, uh, you know, it's, it's a, it's a funny album. We didn't love it as, uh, as 20 year olds at the time. It was pretty good, but there's something about that wet, sloggy drumming, uh, production, uh, of the album. Um, the vocal was a little bit too hysterical. the Tomurai it's a little bit too venom, so there's a little bit of venom to this some of the some of the speeds on this album are not even all that accelerated, but I think what you get mostly out of this and plus you had that um you know the pollution of the of the black magic or i mean of the um you know of the occult of the black metal um um uh, image to this band, because thrash bands don't have that image, right? Thrash bands have more of a punk rock image and a, and a punk rock look, uh, or a street look. And Slayer, you know, Slayer was, was doing like the, um, you know, the Kiss, Motley Crue, Wasp, sort of uh, all in black they had a little bit of eyeliner that they got ridiculed for as well um and and you know that the trappings the props a little bit a little bit merciful fate even in, in that respect um but you know you you go through this record and it's uh, it's pretty thrashy in a lot of places it does have the discipline that's the one thing i really like about it it does have the lockstep guitars um carrie king and uh, and jeff hanneman um you know, so so it does have that key 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 tenet of thrash, which is which is those really machine gunning, uh, machine forged, uh, palm muted rhythm guitars. So that's that's a big um, part of thrash and Slayer are doing that. All right, so let's take a break and listen to our sponsors, and we shall be right back with number three. All right, here we are back again. History in five songs with Martin Popoff. Uh, Let's play our third selection, and uh, and we shall discuss. This is Anthrax with Soldiers of Metal. right. So this was the other surprise to me when doing this episode Uh, the, the, well, Exciter wasn't a surprise. It, It was more of a confirmation, um, you know, believing that that was not really, uh, in this discussion as much as these other records, but Anthrax, you know, I always put them a little bit out of the discussion, um, of this thrash thing because I always had this thing about the, the first album fistful of metal, uh, released January of 1984, uh, as being a little bit speed y and non thrash, um, You've got Neil Turbin in here as vocalist. It's his only uh, record with um, with the band as vocalist. So Anthrax says has got a couple things going um, going as uh, as anomaly uh, type things against them. Number one, they're not from Los Angeles or San Francisco. Um, they're from all the way across the country, uh, East Coast, New York, uh, and. And they have vocals even when Neil gets replaced by Joey Belladonna. They have vocals that are a little more uh, traditional, high, regular singing vocals. Not not a scream. Not a lot of vocal fry to what he's doing. So they were always kind of put a little bit out of it for that. Um, but granted, I mean, basically, there's a lot of thrash on this record. And then as we move on, uh, it will get even more thrashier with more of a, um, you know, a, a mid range. Uh, you know, choky working man's sort of production on on this record, the production is just trying to be as good as it can be, which again is a tenet of thrash. Uh, but what you get is kind of a regular project, production job. It's good. There's nothing wrong with it. You know, God love um, uh, Marsha and Johnny, uh, Mega Force Records for their love of metal and uh, and their store and uh, and then starting this label. You know, they put out Metallica first. They put out Anthrax first. Um, So really cool that they did this. Uh, You should get Johnny Zazula's memoirs. He's got a book out. Um, But uh, yeah, so so my surprise actually was when I went and played this record again, um, I pretty much it changed my mind there is a lot of thrash on this record it is a thrash record um so i i'm going to uh you know fully uh two thumbs up for anthrax being part of this discussion and uh, and recall this is january 1984 so we're into the next year Um, There really are only those two records in 1983 and nothing before that that I think fits. And so here we are just literally the next month after the Slayer album with Anthrax coming in here. Okay, so we're up to number four. Uh, Number four in our history in five songs, The Birth of Thrash. Take a listen to this. This is Metallica with Fight Fire with Fire. Okay. So Metallica is the only band that I really wanted to put in here twice. And I feel strongly about this because, uh, Metallica basically gave thrash a great name, uh, by putting out the ride, the lightning album, which is a, which is a stone dead, um, stone cold, crazy classic. Uh, the songwriting is immense and epic and so well done and so well paced and sequenced on here. You got for whom the bell tolls and fade to black and ride the lightning. What a great song. Um, so many things going on, but fight fire with fire is just the heaviest thing ever made, probably up until that acoustic section ends and this song kicks off. So basically, July twenty seventh, nineteen eighty four. This is the heaviest song ever written of all time by anybody, um, and and they are so thrash, and they are and they are so much better than they were on the first album. Like this is just one of the greatest metal records of all time. Um, So they basically, um, you know, kicked an evolution of thrash literally just a just a year later and a handful of records later. And they and they made everybody realize that they had to raise their game. Uh, You know, Anthrax changes greatly uh, after their first record, Um, you know. Megadeth's gonna come along, and they're and they're gonna basically be, you know, realize that that there's this band, uh, this this rival band. Of course, Dave Mustaine gets kicked out of uh, Metallica and all that stuff, and he he runs off angry and starts Megadeth and has a great career with it. Um, and then eventually he'll put out their Thrash Classic as well in Rust and Peace. Um, but uh, but essentially um, Metallica. If they didn't throw down the gauntlet before with Killem All, raising the level of heaviness and making us, you know, call something a new style of music, um, they've they've thrown down the other the other white glove here, um, by making this absolutely classic album and then following it up with Master of Puppets, uh, as well. Um, which even more people than me consider the greatest heavy metal record of all time. I had that book out, um, uh, the top 500 heavy metal albums of all time, actually in the in the 80s book. How did that work? I Maybe in both books, actually. I did an 80s update of it later called Ace's High, the top 250 heavy metal. Uh, what was that? Hang on. No, those were songs books. Right. So in the album's book, anyways, Master of Puppets uh, won the poll, for best album, uh, best heavy metal album of all time. I personally think even Ride the Lightnings a better album because Master Puppets is kind of just doing the same thing again, uh, same sort of formula. Um, but yeah, absolutely, you, you can't you can't deny how great these these uh, uh, these records were. And here you're you're hearing you know the the other big ten of thrash speed being done amazingly uh, progressiveness uh, thrash guys um, you know. Uh, pride themselves on being good players. Uh, So you hear a lot of progressive stuff in thrash. Something else that you hear a lot in thrash um, that doesn't get talked about enough is the whole Diablos in Musica, the tritone, you know, Black Sabbath, Black Sabbath, uh, but but greatly sped up from Black Sabbath, Black Sabbath. But you hear a lot of doom in thrash. You hear doom at high speeds, you hear doom at mid-speeds, and you even hear slow, uh, doomy songs. You know, when you get into the likes of Testament and Overkill, you, you can go through all these bands. You can you can find a lot of doom in what they do. Metallica, certainly. Um So uh so yeah, there there are all these things that make us uh make us call this a new type of music uh validly. Um and there you go. So uh we're up to our last one, History and Five Songs with Martin Popoff. Um this is uh our fifth entry uh of our five tracks. Take a listen to this. This is Exodus with Metal Command.
3: Paying all our wills, all of us you can find. A world of sonic sound, with hands turned up to death I need the door and fancy to battle once again Fist out of the air,
0: banging everywhere,
3: flashing to the sound
0: Okay, so Exodus is a really special case in here. I had to put them in here, although we are already up into uh, April 25th of 1985. So uh, look look how far we've come, and there haven't been that many albums. And it's true, there haven't been that many albums. Anthrax is in here again, but I had to put Exodus in here because they, they deserve uh, to, to be— to be lauded because they are in there also uh, up in San Francisco with that whole circuit of, of the thrash scene up there. You know, Kirk Hammett of course came from this band and moved over to Metallica, but they are also in there putting out demos as early as 82. Uh, Paul Bailoff is your, is your, Absolutely perfect, thrash vocalist. He loves thrash. There's all those stories of him. You know, if you show up to a show in a Motley Crue shirt, they'll make it. They'll they'll make you take it off and they'll rip it off and all this, like death to posers and all that. So he he is thrash personified. Um, but unfortunately, with Exodus, you know, through various uh, happenstances and career stumbles, you know, combat records is not considered kind of the greatest business people you know megadeth come out on combat as well um but through through all this and kirk hammett leaving you know losing one of their key songwriters and guitarists they don't get their record out their full-length record out for a long long time after they started so they started all you know all along with all these guys but then they put out this bonded by blood record in in um in April of 85 and it is a a really good thrash record it is totally uh thrash by definition um but unfortunately they have already been bettered by Metallica and Anthrax I mean there's there's already better writing out there Slayer is coming out ha- you know haunting the chapel and uh, and Hell awaits so thrash is moving along things are happening um Megadeth is coming along with um, with "Killing Is My Business" and "Business Is Good," um, but this "Bonded by Blood" record is totally thrash. It's got great production. You know, some might may say that Paul Bailoff is is a little. A little over the top with his vocal, um, but you definitely get a thrash record with the Exodus record, and you can hear that in this uh, in this Metal Command. So yeah, I had to put them in there, even though they started in '82. They didn't. They didn't get going to '85. And everybody loves this record. Everybody considers it a total uh, thrash classic. Um, and that's it. There you go. So those are, those are like I say. There's there's the roots. There's the trace elements. There's that big demo phase. There's hit the lights on Metal Massacre, um, you know the certain things even on the um, on the U.S. metal samplers that that uh, that Mike Varney was putting together. Um, but again, I've always had this bias. I really believe things are invented fully in an intentional way when we get full albums of this stuff, and these are the full albums that I think constitute Episode 43: The Birth of Thrash. So there you go. I will leave that uh, with you. Um, go take a listen to this stuff. Please go to the Facebook page and tell us what you think. Uh, the History in Five Songs, um, there's a Facebook page. There's my regular Facebook. There's my uh, public person Facebook page. Um, you know, Twitter as well. Uh, you can email me at martinp at martinp.inforamp.net with suggestions. get a lot of cool suggestions, a lot of cool comments. And I love when I put these episodes together. People tell me what I missed or what I should have put in. That's kind of cool. Um... But, uh, but yeah, you can go to martinpopoff.com uh, for all my books. Uh, this was a busy week. I'm actually doing this at the last minute because I had a new Rush book called Anthem, Rush in the 70s, and a new Saxon book come out called Denim and Leather, Saxon's First Ten Years, basically one day apart. So it's been crazy with PayPal orders and stuff like that. Um, but, yeah, glad I finally knocked this down. Uh, looks like we've got uh, another uh, pretty long episode. I, they all kind of come in the same, don't they? Um, So I will leave that with you. Thanks again, Uh, and we shall see you again next time. Find all of our shows,
1: notes, social, and links at www.pantheonpodcast.com or wherever you listen to great podcasts. All songs can be found for purchase on iTunes, Spotify, or Google Play. Please purchase these great and important tracks. Find us on Facebook at The R-N-R-A-P. We are on Instagram at R&R Archaeology. Tweet us at RR Archaeology.
2: 92% of households that start the year with Peloton are still active a year later. 92% because of a bike? Not just bikes. We also make treadmills and rowers. Oh, let me guess, for elite athletes only, right? Nope. It doesn't matter if you're an avid exerciser or new to working out. Peloton can help you achieve your fitness goals. 92% stick with it. So can you. Try Peloton bikes, tread or row, risk-free with a 30-day home trial. New members only. Not available in remote locations. See additional terms at onepeloton.com home dash trial.
1: At The Home Depot, we're dedicated to helping you build the skills that get your home projects done right.